All right. Hey, everybody, welcome to Valley Creek. Before we get started, I want to say this. It is a gift to gather. It's a gift every single weekend when we get together as the people of God, united by the Spirit of God under the Lordship of Jesus, sent to bring hope to the world. So we gather again this week. So since we're gathered together today, let's take a moment and welcome in all of our campuses, whether you're watching in Gainesville, Denton, Louisville, Flower Mound, Venue, online, wherever you are in the world, let's just welcome each other together today. Because this week we get to spend our time in a brand new series with a brand new invitation from God. This week we get to kick things off 60 days of rest, joy, and relationships. Come on, doesn't that just sound good? 60 days of rest, joy, and relationships. It's an invitation to experience summer in a different kind of way. It's an invitation from our family for our family. It is going to be good. It is going to be fresh. And so I just would declare that over your life and my life. You see, when we started 2021, we said, here's what we thought. We thought that 2021 would be the most important spiritual year of your spiritual journey. And so however you faced this year, however you either leaned into it or leaned out of it, would really determine the direction for the rest of your, well, decades ahead of time. In fact, check this out in Proverbs 4. It says, my son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words, for they are life to those that find them and health to a man's whole body. If we would lean into what God had for us in 2021, then there was going to be life and health that he was going to bring to us. Life in our minds, health in our whole body, health in this whole body. So my question for you is, have you leaned in? Have you leaned into what God was doing in this year? And here's the thing, if you have or if you haven't, that's okay because we're moving forward by faith because our whole family is moving forward by faith. And so the invitation to experience rest, joy, and relationships is an invitation for your life. It's a calling for our church and it's going to be an amazing 60 days together. So that's why we are resourcing you on this journey. This week, we started our 60-day reading plan. We are reading through 60 of some of the most important chapters in the Bible. We picked those as a leadership team. That was not easy to do because there's like 1,100-plus chapters in the Bible. And so I really want to encourage you, even if you've never read the Bible before at all, if you've never dug into the Scriptures, dig in now. Be part of what's going on in the Valley Creek family. Dig in with each chapter every single day. Every single day we're going to have a special commentary from a staff leader that's just going to explain what you're reading and what God is speaking uh, in that chapter. And so dig in with us. Man, there's a fresh wind and a fresh life in the reading plan that we're doing right now. I also want to encourage you, start writing it down. Start journaling what you hear God saying, what he's speaking to you as you dig into the scriptures. As you do, you will find life. You will find health. You will find everything that Jesus has for you as we kick off 60 days of rest and joy and relationships. So I just declare it over each one of us. 60 days, starting now, of rest, joy, and relationships in our life, in your life, and in our church family is going to be good. All right. So as we get started today, as we get started today, I just want to start by asking you this question. How's your soul? How is is your soul? Is it, is it restful? Is it peaceful? Do you have a sense of contentment and wholeness? Maybe another way to ask it is, do you feel at rest? Because the world wants to try to 
answer the question for you on, on how you find rest in, in that vacation, in the end of a busy semester, in the completion of this thing that you were working on. But in reality, that's not actually how you find rest. You see, those are the circumstances around you, not the rest inside of you. There's actually only one place that your soul can find rest. Truly, my soul finds rest in God. Many of us are waiting for the circumstances outside of us to change before we'll experience rest, but in reality, it's the Jesus inside of us that brings us to his rest in God. If you found yourself waiting for the circumstances to change, that's not where rest originates from. Rest originates from the inside, not the outside, from the soul, not the circumstances. In fact, you don't need to rest from your life, you need to rest for your life, getting into what Jesus has for you, getting into what he's trying to speak to you, inside rest. And that's why you could see these people in some really hard situations. Have you ever known somebody in a really difficult situation and you look at them and you're like, that's amazing, man. Their peace just seems so supernatural. Like it's really hard and it's heartbreaking. And then you'll talk to them and you'll be so inspired by, by how, they, how they talk and how they sound and how they engage their life. It's, it's supernatural, it's so impressive, it's inspiring because their souls are finding rest in God, not outside of him. In Jesus, not outside. So the question is, how is your soul? And the reason that that's an important question is because your soul finds rest in God. We're supposed to love the Lord, our God, with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So catch it. When your heart is filled with the kingdom, your soul will be at peace, your mind will be at rest, and your body will be filled with strength. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's all the ways that we express and experience the love of God. So the question, how's your soul, is a really, really important question. In fact, that's a working definition for rest. Rest is when your heart and your mind are filled with God's kingdom, and so your soul is at peace. True rest, real rest, is when your heart and your mind are filled with God's kingdom and your soul feels at peace or to put it another way, you'll rest in God when God rests in you. You'll rest in your life when God rests in you. You'll rest in your family when God rests in you. You'll rest your anxious mind when God rests in you. You'll rest from trying to strive and perform when God rests in you. You'll rest in God when God rests in you. Because rest comes from the inside, not the outside. Check out what it says here. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. It's God that keeps in perfect peace. It's God that sets your heart at rest. When your mind is filled with the kingdom, your soul will be at peace. Our problem is many times we want to try to find rest from outside instead of inside. But what you have to catch here is that your mind focused and steadfast on King Jesus enthroned in your heart is the place that you experience true rest. In fact, in the Old Testament, uh, they knew that when a king was on his throne, the kingdom was at peace. Whenever the kingdom was enthroned, when he was hanging out at the palace, that means that the kingdom was at peace. Why? Because he wasn't riding out to fight battles out there, going to war out there. And so can I just tell you, when the, kingdom is and the king is enthroned in your heart, 
you will be kept at perfect peace. When the king is on his throne in your life, in your mind, in your heart, your kingdom will be at rest. Why? Because there are no enemies out there. There are no battles to fight. There are no wars left to be won. King Jesus is the victor of all of those things. And so the problem is not that the king isn't enthroned. The problem is we want to try to steal the throne. We want to enthrone our own selves, our own lives, our own decision-making, our own kingdom on the throne of our hearts. And then we find ourselves riding out to war and to fight battles that only King Jesus can fight and win. And then we wonder why our lives don't feel restful. We wonder why our soul doesn't feel at peace. Take a look at what it says here. In Isaiah chapter 30, and repentance and rest is your salvation, and quietness and trust is your strength. In repentance, aligning my mind and my heart with the kingdom, and the rest that he offers is salvation. In quietness and trust, trusting that King Jesus is enthroned in my heart, that I don't have to go out and ride into battles, ride into fight the enemy that he's already fought, that he's already won the victory on my behalf. And all those things is your strength, but you would have none of it. You said, no, we'll flee on horses. Therefore, you will flee. You said, we will ride off on swift horses. Therefore, your pursuers will be swift. You ever feel like somebody's chasing you? <laughs> like you're like running on life and like just life is catching up to you. Like you got this game plan and then life just, you know, life is falling behind. Your pursuers will be swift. It's that achievement you've been trying to get at work. It's that frustration with your health journey. It's that relationship roadblock. You start taking off and it just seems to be catching up to you. It, it always makes its way and, 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 and catches up when you're ahead. Your pursuers will be swift. Well, all of those things, we think that those things are chasing us down. We think that those are the reasons that we just feel like we're chasing our own tails. But the craziest part is this. The biggest pursuer of all is not those things, it's you. You're actually the one chasing you. You're the one running in circles, running ahead. And so in your life, when you feel that sense of I'm being chased down, when you feel that sense of I'm never catching up you know, to what I hoped for or what life was going to look like, many times that's because the swift pursuers come from the fact that we've been riding off on our own horses. We haven't been letting King Jesus lead us to victory. We've been on the horses ourselves trying to gallop through our life at full speed. And here's the problem. The kingdom of our decision-making, the kingdom of us leading ourselves, is actually the kingdom of this world enthroned in our heart versus the kingdom of God enthroned in our heart. The kingdom of this world is a kingdom of noise. The kingdom of this world is a kingdom of confusion and chaos. And so what happens is we enthrone our own decision-making, our own kingdom on our heart. We don't enthrone the kingdom of God on the inside. And then we wonder why our life feels so noisy, chaotic, stressful, frustrating. It's because we've been riding off on our own horses, which means the one chasing us is us. The one chasing me is actually me. Not just the circumstances around me, the chaos that starts to build on the inside of me. And that's exactly why Jesus invites us to find rest only in him. Look at what it says here in Jeremiah. Stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths, the ancient paths, 
the ways of our spiritual fathers, the people of faith, the way of of love and joy and peace, uh, the way of righteousness, peace and joy, the way of faith, hope and love, the ancient paths, the old way that Jesus laid out for us, the narrow road that leads to a wide life. Stand by the roads, look for those ways. Look for those ways to find rest where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. Isn't that so like us? Isn't that so like how we think about it sometimes? We have this really clear path forward and we're like, oh no, we're good, I I, I don't need that. But in reality, the only place to find rest for your souls are the ways of God, the ancient past, the good way that he lays out for us. We want to walk in our own way. What we come to find is a lot of times we're the biggest roadblock to our own rest. That's why your heart and your mind must be filled with the kingdom so your soul can be at peace. In the Old Testament, you might remember the story of the Israelites leaving Egypt. And, and in the story, uh, you know, where the Israelites finally get freed from Egypt, Moses has had this whole back and forth with Pharaoh. And the plagues come. And finally Pharaoh's like, all right, you guys can go. I'm just, I'm tired of the whole thing. Well, then Pharaoh realizes, oh, wait, I just got rid of my entire workforce. And so he starts to chase down the Israelites as they'd already left Egypt. And so at one point in the story, there's 600 chariots chasing after them all the way to the Red Sea. Now, you might be familiar with the story of the Red Sea crossing where Moses parts the Red Sea and the Israelites go through. But what you may not remember is the part of the story where the Egyptians catch up to them. You may not remember that the 600 chariots actually do catch up to them right before they cross the Red Sea. And here's what the Lord does. The Lord takes the cloud that's been leading them in the front of them and he actually moves it to the rear guard and then that cloud becomes a protection over the Israelites so the Egyptians can't see them or harm them. Now I want you to try to catch this. In that moment, if the Israelites would have tried to go their own way and gone off on their own, and split from where they were standing at the Red Sea, they would have started running off this direction, they would have been utterly destroyed. In fact, Moses actually tells them, the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you, you need only to be still. And I wanna declare, I wanna declare this as a word for somebody who's watching right now. The Lord will fight for you, You need only to be still. You're being released from trying to fight your own battles in your own way, from your own strength. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. So let him fight the fight. Live in the victory that he's already declared over your life. You need only to be still. You might remember what happens next in the story. Moses does raise up the staff. Israelites go through the Red Sea. Uh, They're on to their freedom. Egyptians try to follow them. That is, the very thing that was chasing them tries to chase them through the provision that God had already made. It cannot do it. Just like the very thing that's been chasing you cannot go through the provision that God has already made. It cannot chase you down. It has no right to. It must submit to King Jesus in your life. So I declare that over you. I declare that over me. The only question left is really this. Where have you been riding off to on your own? Where have you been riding off on swift horses? 
Where have you been trying to make your own way? Where have you been going off the ancient paths? Where have you been trying to get rest apart from God, not in him, not with him? Maybe that situation with your teenager, maybe that situation with your friend group, maybe that diagnosis or that financial worry, because you can't do it without the king on his throne. If the king's not on his throne, you'll just keep riding off forever. You'll just keep getting chased forever. Truly, your soul finds rest in God. And here's the irony. When you learn to rest in God, you'll actually discover the rest of God. When you learn to rest in God, when you settle, you'll actually discover so much more that God has for you. Can you imagine what God wants to show you in this summer of rest, joy, and relationships? What he wants to do in your heart and your soul and your mind if you'll just choose to rest in him. When you learn to rest in God, you'll discover the rest of God. Be still and know that I am God. Settle, stillness, and then begin to know Discover more of who God is and, and what he has for you and the rest and the joy and the relationships that he's declaring over your life. When you learn to rest in God, you'll actually discover the rest of God. What we fail to realize, though, is that rest does have a requirement. It's just not what you think it is. We often think of getting rest like, I need to hurry up and get all my assignments done so I go on that vacation. Or I need to read more Bible because then I could be like a better Christian and then God will be happy with me. But it doesn't work like that. There's nothing to achieve in Jesus. So the only real requirement of rest is an openness in your heart. It's a requirement that has to do with heart matters. See, rest requires humility and gratitude and margin. Real rest requires not action with our feet, but an openness in our heart. Real rest requires not us trying to run around and do things. It requires an openness to let King Jesus be King Jesus. You see, rest requires humility. Humility just simply says that everything I am and everything I have comes from God. Like he's the originator of me and of my life. And I have to be willing and humble to admit that. Gratitude Gratitude is just simply thanking God for what I do have, not accusing him of what I don't. Margin. Margin is taking a look at my life and asking the question, have I actually made space to receive the real rest of God? You see, I would contend to you that humility looks a lot like Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down into green pastures, he leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Humility begs the question, am I willing to be made to lie down? Am I willing to be led by him? And every good parent knows that sometimes you gotta make your kids lie down. Sometimes you have to actually take over and help them rest. You guys remember when you, uh, like maybe some parents, remember when babies are first born? It's the craziest thing. They got like the crazy arms where they'll, they'll like start to go to sleep and then their arm will pop up and they're like, ah! And so you, gotta, you actually have to swaddle their arms down because they're just flailing all over the place. Well, here's the thing. Jesus is a good shepherd and your father in heaven is a great father. And so sometimes he knows, I need to make you lie down. I need to make you rest. 
But that takes a level of humility we are often unwilling to give. So really the question there is, are you willing to be made to lie down by the good shepherd? Are you willing to be swaddled by your father in heaven? Are you willing to be led by him? It requires humility, a willingness to let him take over. It also looks a little bit like gratitude. You see, at Valley Creek, uh, we do everything we do with a spirit of gratitude. This idea that we have so much more to, to celebrate than to complain about, to be thankful for than to accuse God of what we don't have. And so gratitude looks an awful lot like I lack nothing. Like gratitude is this sense of like, no, I don't lack anything. I have everything I need in Jesus. And you have to catch that a lot of times the very things that steal our rest are the areas where we believe that we actually do lack something. We don't have what we need. What you have to catch is most of the decisions we make that steal our rest come from a place of discontentment, which come from a lack of gratitude. Most of the decisions we make in life that actually take away, steal our rest, come from a discontentment that comes from a lack of gratitude. It's this sense that we not only lack, we, we do lack something. It's not that we lack nothing. We lack a lot of things. And so what do we do? We hurry up to make more money to buy the stuff that we don't actually need. What do we do? We go and work out hard to try to impress people we don't really want to impress in the first place. What do we do? We try to figure out how to wiggle our way into friends group, friend groups that we probably don't even want to be friends with in the first place. Most of the things that steal our rest come from a discontentment which really derive from a lack of gratitude. Gratitude. Thank you, Jesus, for what I have so much. Not, hey, Jesus, here's the list of things I don't have. And I'm going to just swirl those in my mind over and over. And then I'm going to like set up my life to try to figure out how to grab a hold of those things. You see, a lack of gratitude is a recipe for a loss of rest. Rest takes humility. Rest takes gratitude. And finally, rest just takes some margin. Like rest requires us to make some space in our life. And margin looks like this. When you reap the harvest of your land... Do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and for the foreigner residing among you. Here's what you got to catch. Once every seven years in the Old Testament was supposed to be a year of rest. And in those years, the land was supposed to lie fallow. That is, the land was not supposed to have seed on it. It wasn't supposed to be harvested. God did that because he knows that go, 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 go is no go for anybody. It's not, it doesn't work like that. And so there was this day of rest that was built into the actual gleaning and the harvesting. But I'm not, I'm not a day, a year of rest that was built into the harvesting. But not just a year, it's that every single year, they weren't supposed to push to the very edges of the field. Because it takes margin to be able to experience the fullness of what God has for you. And so for them in the Old Testament, they understood that I had to actually plan my money and my resources for that one every seven years so that I had the margin to not only enjoy that year, but every other year, I didn't push it to the very edges. Here's the problem. For most of us, our life is not only lived to the edges, it's lived way past the margin. And so not only do we not have time and resources to just like maybe come a little bit to the edge of like what our capacity does, we go way past it. 
And then we look at our schedule and we wonder why we don't actually have space for rest or for people or to do the things that God has put in front of us. It's because we're living way past the margin. We're living way over the edges. Well, margin means that I can't actually reap it all. I can't pack in my whole schedule. I can't pack in and, and use every single dollar in my bank account. I have to leave some. Leave some for who? The poor. Now catch it. It's not just talking poor like finances. It's talking poor like spirit. So there's an entire grouping of people in your life that need to feed off the excess that you create by creating the margin that Jesus is inviting you to experience in your life. It's, it's, it's the cashier at the checkout counter when you, go to the, when you go to the store. Sometimes, just think about your schedule. Think about me. I'm thinking about me right now. When I go and I blast through the checkout line, because I like, gotta go, like I, I, my schedule's gotta go, and I don't take the moment to bless the person that I can see it in their eyes. They're, they're, they're broken and they're having a horrible week and I don't actually have enough margin in my schedule to bless that person. It's the times I come on the weekend and, I, and instead of like taking the time to pray for somebody in the atrium before I go or pray for somebody online as I'm, as I'm engaging the chat room, I just blast past, I go out to lunch, I, I go back through my busy schedule. I don't actually create the, the margin to bless that person in that moment. Parents, it's you in the mornings and in the evening taking the time to just look your kid in the eyes and just bless them. Just speak a blessing to them or just pray for them in evening. That actually takes margin. You can't live your life to the edges. And so real rest requires humility and gratitude and margin. I'm going to teach you one of the most amazing things you can learn to say when the world comes to you with an idea that just does not fit in what God's called you to. Ready? No. In fact, I want you to say that with me on the count of three. One, two, three. See, doesn't that just feel good? There it is. When the world brings you something that you know is not from the heart of God, no. You know what? Here's a great word to say when Jesus invites you to do something. Yes. Yes. And so you have to learn that when you get an invitation from Jesus, it's a yes. When you get an invitation that does not fit with what the Lord has asked you to do, that's a no. And so how do you learn the difference between the two of those? Well, that's exactly why we believe you can hear the voice of God. We believe you can hear the voice of the Spirit in your own life. You can check that with Scripture. You can check it with godly relationships. You can sense it in your heart. And honestly, most of the time we know. Most of the time we know. Most of the time we know when we're riding the crazy train. Most of the time we know when we're living in chaos and choosing the decisions in our schedule that give us no margin, no space, no brain share, no mind share. And so our invitation to say no to the things of this world, yes to the things that Jesus is inviting us to, because real rest requires humility, gratitude, and margin. Humility is just that I'm humble enough to, and willing enough to let him make me lie down. Gratitude, I lack nothing. I have everything I need in Jesus. His divine powers give me everything I need for life and my godliness. Margin, I don't glean all the way to the edges. I don't take the whole thing and, and well past the margins. I leave room. I leave room, room for God to move. So those are requirements. Those are, those are asks of the heart, not just of the hands. You have to have an open and willing heart to engage those three things. You see, rest is when your heart and your mind are filled with God's kingdom and then your soul is at peace, which means that rest is not just a one-time event, it's an all-the-time event. Rest is not just a vacation event, and you know that's not true anyways, because some of y'all need a vacation once you get back from your vacation. 
Rest is not just a take a nap event. Some of us are horrible at taking naps. I'm not great at it. I, I usually am more tired than when I wake up, but that's okay because that's not where I find rest. Because rest is an all the time event in Jesus. And rest is not just when I get to the end of that problem or the end of that busy season. And you know it. You know it in your heart because there is another problem to come. There's another busy season to be uh, engaged in. But you don't have to try to lean out of it. You lean into it through the rest that you have with King Jesus enthroned in your heart and your mind so your soul can be at peace. Rest is not a one-time event. It's an all-the-time event. It's an everyday event through the power and the life of Jesus. And here's why. Did you ever notice... At the beginning of Genesis, that every day that God creates something, it says there's morning, I'm sorry, there's evening and then there's morning. I even said it almost backwards. It says there's evening and there's morning, which is the opposite of how we think of it. We usually think of our day starting in the morning, like at 7 a.m. and going all the way till I go to sleep. But every day that God creates, it says there's evening and there's morning. Now why? Because... In the Hebrew culture with the Israelites, they knew that when you work, you start from a place of rest. That is, it's evening first, and then it's morning. Our minds literally think the opposite of that. Now, here's one more. When God created the earth over the seven days, the seventh day was the day of rest. The seventh day is when he rested from all of his work. What's fascinating is that it does not say that there was evening and morning on the seventh day. Go back and read it. It's worth looking for. Why? Why was there no evening and morning on the seventh day? Because when God started resting, he never stopped. And so now he does everything that he does from a place of rest. And by the way, that includes work. That is, he sustains your life. He holds the universe together. He advances his kingdom. He advances his church. He does all the things that he does from a place of rest. When God started resting, he never stopped. And Jesus lived life the very same way. That's why Jesus could be filled with the kingdom of his father and the kingdom realities in his life. Walk around in all of these chaotic and busy situations. People tugging at his you know, his cloak, people trying to ask him questions, miracles all over the place. He could be super, super busy, and he walked around from a place of rest because he knew that when God started resting, he never stopped, and he invites us to experience the very same thing. Hebrews chapter 4. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works, not ceased from working, ceased from his works, his striving, his performance, as God did from his. See, catch it. Rest is an all-the-time reality in King Jesus. Rest is an everyday reality for the people of God in King Jesus. King Jesus, who guards your heart and your mind, who fills your soul with peace, who is, who is the, the author of your life, the giver of joy, the creator of rest, the giver of every good and perfect gift that comes down from the Father above. Jesus, rest is through the finished work of King Jesus, and that rest is for you, and the rest is for me, and the rest is for all of us.